You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Rico Muhammad, and this is the Rates and Lanes Podcast. We welcome your interaction with us tonight. If you got any questions, concerns, anything that we can try to help you out with, you can go ahead and press the number one, get your get up and on board. We can get you screened in so we can come to you. Um, our resident mentor will be joining us tonight, Mr. Tuck Snow from Traffics. Tuck brings an, an extensive knowledge base from both sides of the equation, brokerage as well as being a motor carrier. So if you got any questions about how you may be able to uh, pick his brain to expand your business, to make to do different things, to make your bottom line grow, we have an excellent resource in the form of Chuck that he can pretty much seen it, most of it, and done most of it. I'm not going to say done it all, seen it all, and done it all, but I'm pretty sure he's covered most of it. So if you got some questions from that aspect to um, – try to grow your company, if that's what your visions there are, then we got someone that can help you out with that. And as we normally start off with the Racing Lanes podcast, we're going to dive right into this week's uh, USDA truck rate report. There is a little bit of movement from the report. Uh, we didn't get a chance to broadcast last week, uh, but there is some little bit of fluctuation. Things are starting to come back down to earth from uh, – some of the uh, higher spot market rates that we have been seeing over the past few weeks. But nonetheless, we got a little bit of movement on the uh, fruit and vegetable market. And there is a link that is up on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page with this report up on it. We don't delve into all of the information that is in this report. We just try to give you a, a, a glance at how the markets are across the nation so that you can probably try to make some uh, adjustments if you are working the spot market, spot market and uh, those areas, it may present opportunities for you. And those areas where we're seeing some fluctuation where there seems to be a to be able to take advantage of a shortage of loads to truck in the market is Idaho, Merle County, Oregon, Upper Valley Twin Falls, Burley District, Idaho, Minnesota, North Dakota, Red River Valley, New York, and Columbia Basin, Washington. All of those regions that I just listed off are reporting a shortage, an outright shortage of, of uh, trucks in the market. There are way more loads than there are trucks in the market, which means a good thing if you're working that spot market because that means that the supply and demand is in your favor and you can uh, get a better price for your services. Areas that are showing a slight shortage of trucks in the area, San Luis Valley, Colorado, Central and South Florida. Now, as always, we always throw that caveat out there about uh, Florida. Uh, whenever we have some movement in the market in Florida, is always indicated, make sure that you already got something set up. Don't go down there to Florida thinking that, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a good rate going in and get a good rate going out and Make sure you got something to feel. Unless you got established relationships or something going on, working that spot market in Florida is always a tricky proposition. So make sure you got to take your backhaul with you before you get in there and make sure that you got something uh, decent set up on the way out. If that is what you, if that's going to be your method of attack, just don't go down there willy nilly and say, hey, I heard it on the show and I'm going to go down there and, and uh, get a good rate. I don't want you having to come back out of Florida butt naked, so make sure you take all the proper precautions. Uh, moving on to the other areas with slight shortages, Aristotle County, Maine, Eastern North Carolina, and Nebraska. All of those areas just listed off are reporting slight. So that means that there may be some opportunities to be had in those areas. As always, do your due diligence. The report, the USDA report, is there for your viewing pleasure up on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. 
go over there, give us a like, follow the page, uh, subscribe to the notifications so that we can get information out to you uh, when we try to share different news and events from time to time so that you can get the notifications. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Rachel Lane's Facebook page with Rico Muhammad. Rachel Lane's with Rico Muhammad on Facebook. All right, moving on, jumping over into this week's DAT trend lines report for the week of January 21st through the 27th. Rates declined for the third week straight, but remain higher than at any point in 2017. Low to truck ratios have eased off from record highs, but the ELD mandate a healthy economy, and regional snowstorms continue to exert pressure on truckload capacity. National average rates dipped one cent for vans and flatbeds last week, while the average reefer rate dropped by more than three cents. Let's take a deeper dive and look into the report for vans. We want to check the demand and capacity reports for dry vans. And the National Van Demand and Capacity Report for the week of January 21st through 27th, the load-to-truck ratio for vans dropped for the third week in a row after hitting a multi-year peak. The first week in January, van load postings declined by 5%. Truck posts increased by 10%, which caused the National Load-to-Truck Ratio to dip 13%, dropping down from 9.8 loads per truck nationally to 8.5 loads per truck nationally. National average van rate also moved lower. Also, over the past week, prices have increased by 1.6%, showing a national average price for diesel fuel at $3.07 per gallon. Taking a look back historically, van load postings increased 12% in December compared to November. The truck posts fell 14%. As a result, the December load-to-truck ratio increased 31% to nine van loads per truck, the highest monthly average ever recorded in DAT Trendline's history. December's ratio was 139% higher than it was the same time in December of 2016. So that's always a good indication when things are moving in a positive direction. Let's look and see how the van rates were performing over the previous week, January 21st through the 27th. Van rates moved lower for the third week in a row after hitting the peak during the first week of January. Last week, rates declined another one cent, dropping down to $2.26 per mile on average. The load-to-truck ratio for vans also eased off its early January peak. Taking a look back historically at the rates, the national average van rate for December hit $2.11 per mile, up four cents compared to November. That's the highest monthly average ever recorded in Trendline's history. The rate was 38 cents higher than the average of December of 2016. Taking a look around the country, breaking it up by region, starting out up in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have dry vans on the spot market coming out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, averaging $2.34 per mile. Moving down to the southeast, we have Atlanta, Georgia being the representative city, showing an average spot market rate for dry vans at $2.36 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Chicago, Illinois checking in, showing average spot market rates for dry vans at $2.92 per mile on average, and that leads the country. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas, being the representative city, showing $1.98 per mile on average for dry vans. And moving out west, the city of Angels, Los Angeles, California, wrapping up the dry van rate report, showing an average spot market rate for dry vans at $2.42 per mile. 
moving on, jumping over into the U.S. flatbed demand capacity report for the week of January 21st through the 27th. Flatbed load postings increased by 6%, and truck posts also increased by 6%. So the load-to-truck ratio held steady at 53.9 loads per truck. The national average flatbed rate moved lower last week. Taking a look back historically, compared to November, flatbed load postings increased by 2% in December, while truck posts declined by 17%. That resulted in a 23% increase in the load-to-truck ratio compared to the previous month. At 35.6 loads per truck, the ratio was 77% higher than it was in December of 2016 and see how the flatbed rates were performing over the previous week of January 21st through the 27th. The national average flatbed rate slipped by one cent, dropping down to $2.39 per mile on average, which is still high for this time of the year. The national average, the national, excuse me, the national load truck ratio was unchanged compared to the previous week. Taking a look back historically, the national average flatbed rate in December remained at $2.33 per mile for the third month in a row. Flatbed rates are 37, $0.37 cents higher than December of 2016. Taking a look by region, breaking across the country for flatbeds, coming out of Harrisburg, PA, showing an average spot market rate for flatbeds at $3.77 per mile. That leaves the country in the average spot market rate. Dropping down to the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia being the representative city, spot market rate of $2.56 for spot, uh, excuse me, for flatbeds, $2.56 for flatbeds on the spot market. Moving into the Midwest, we have Rock Island, Illinois checking in, showing an even $3 per mile coming out of Rock Island. Dropping down into the South Central, portion of the United States, we have Houston, Texas checking in, showing an average spot market rate of $2.62 per mile for flatbeds. And wrapping up the report coming out of the West Coast, Phoenix, Arizona, reporting in, showing an average spot market rate of $2.30 per mile for flatbeds. Moving on, jumping over into this week's reefer demand and capacity report. technology to cooperate. There we go. All right. Reefer load posts on DAT load boards fell by 14%, while reefer truck posts increased by 4%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to decline by 17% from 15.5 loads per truck, dropping down to 12.8 loads per truck. Uh, taking a look back historically, in December, reefer load posts increased by 4%, while truck posts declined by 12 To November, that caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase by 18%, jumping up to 14.1 loads per truck. The ratio was up 73% compared to December of 2016. Let's take a look now at the rates for reefers for the previous week. The national average rate reefer rate fell three cents last week to $2.67 per mile on average. Reefers are still in high demand to transport fresh produce and other food and to prevent freezing of other temperature-sensitive cargo. The national load-to-truck ratio for reefers was unchanged compared to the previous week. Taking a look back historically in December, the national average rate for reefers was $2.46 per mile on average, which was three cents higher than no the November average and the highest monthly average ever recorded in DAT trend lines history. Compared to December of 2016, the rate was 47 cents higher. Taking a look around the country, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have Elizabeth, New Jersey, checking in, showing 
the average spot market rate for reefers at $2.35 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Lakeland, Florida being the representative city showing an average spot market rate for reefers at $1.63 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Green Bay, Wisconsin, leading the charge at a healthy, strong $4.18 per mile on average coming out of Green Bay in the Midwestern portion of the, of the country. Dropping down into the south central portion of the United States, McAllen, Texas, showing a healthy $2.95 per mile on average. And wrapping up the report coming out of the West Coast, Fresno, California being the representative city, showing an average of $2.68 per mile coming out of the West Coast. There is also a copy of this DAT Trendlines report up on the Facebook page. It's there for your viewing pleasure. If you want a link to it, just go on over there and click it. It'll take you right to this very report that we just got finished giving to you. And now for the part of the show that we really don't like that much, but it's pertinent information that we need to get out to everybody. And that is the bad broker report. It's not as long as it ha has been in previous weeks. Uh, only a few new entries on the report. But nonetheless, make sure you got your pen and paper ready. Or if you're not, the show is recorded. You can go back and download and listen to uh, if you listen to if you may be in bed with any of these brokers. First, to make on the bad broker report, Steadfast Transport LLC. Their MC number is six seven two. 286. FCSA shows that their trust fund is set to cancel on 218.17. They have over $20,000 in non-payment complaints that have been reported. They are considered an extreme risk. TM Express Inc. Their DOT number is 224-0572. Their MC number is 623-133. FMCSA shows surety bond is canceled as of 126725 $25,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Jacob Logistics Corporation, DOT number 224-8744. MC number is 245-904. FMCSA shows that their surety bond is canceled. Over $14,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Finally, Baraka Logistics, Inc., DOT number is 303-9296. Their MC number is 043819. FMCSA shows that the trust fund is canceled as of 12-16-17. They have over $43,000 in non-payment complaints that have been reported. That is, uh, thank goodness, that that's the shortest bad broker report that we have had in quite some time. And with that being said, we're going to shift the attention of the show back to you guys, ladies and gentlemen, and we want to bring on our resident mentor, Mr. Chuck Snow. Chuck, you up and on board. How are you this week? We're doing well, Rico. How are you? Oh, man, if it got any better, I couldn't stand it, Chuck. <laughs> and I know you mean that. <laughs> Which is a wonderful thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So tell us what's been going on with you guys up there in traffic. What you guys got new cooking? And, and also, before we before I do that, Chuck, just want to give everybody a reminder that's on here listening. You can press the number one. That gives you an opportunity to get up to ask a question, uh, to get in, to get in uh, on the conversation. And we always welcome your participation. So anytime you feel like it, you can just press the number one. One of my lovely daughters will screen you in and ask you what's your name and where you're calling from or whatever, and, and we'll get you up in the, on board so that you can ask a question or add to the conversation. All right, Chuck, I'm sorry for the interrupt, interrupting there. I just wanted to get that out there. Not a problem. I'm glad you put it out there. First of all, I'm going to start this. Uh, there's a little bit of an advertisement, but if there's any Canadian drivers out there that are looking for a really good job, I'm looking for a Really good driver that's probably going to just report to me personally. Long story, but I got I have some freight that is really important, uh, show freight, things like that. And I got to the point now, I need my own personal driver 
to take some of these loads. So if there's somebody out there listening that resides in Canada, uh, give me a call, 800-388-4352, extension 203, extension 203, and we'll give you that number again at the end of the show. Anyways, we are busier than heck. Um, I'm going to go on record again. I think the ELD is the greatest thing that's ever happened to our industry. Um, I think we're all, I think most people agree. Um, it's been busy out there. There's certainly an awful lot of drivers and an awful lot of uh, trucks that aren't working right now because they don't like the transition. And those that are sticking it out are doing quite well. Um, problem is there is a bona fide shortage of, of drivers. There's people just rather stay closer to home. Um, and I can't blame them. Uh, people do want to want that work-life balance. Um, we had demand for drivers on, you know, on both sides of the border. Uh, and I don't know what we're going to do. I think really what will happen eventually is this industry continues to get stronger and stronger. There will be more entrants because we'll, as an industry, we are going to start giving drivers better uh, working conditions, certainly better pay. I've said for a long time, our problem isn't a driver shortage. It's a money problem. It's a money shortage. And I think before all of this happened with the ELDs, it was a money shortage. I don't think most carriers had enough money to pay a driver properly. Things have changed drastically in about five weeks. So I think this is going to open up a lot of things. You know, we've, we've put the pressure on the shipping public, and they're now feeling it. People need to get their product to market. And I think that's a good thing for everybody that's still in uh, the trucking industry, whether you're a driver, a fleet owner, or a broker. I think it's good for everybody, or an owner-operator, of course. And I think everybody I talk to is busier than heck. Um, most people I've talked to have had a, a record January uh, Freight is busy. What are you finding, Rico? I'm I'm telling you, it's you know I've been saying it for a long time. You know, some people, some of my closest friends, when I was saying, you know, uh, two years ago when I switched over to ELD, uh, man, what, what? How are you gonna make any money doing that? Why are you doing that? And I think you know, like I've been saying for the longest time, you know, we gave away so much free labor, we didn't understand that. Um, and I understand, you know, I want to put a preface with this comment. You know, we can't outprice the market. Uh, you know, there's only going to be so much money there, and I think that you definitely wisely said this a couple of weeks back too, Chuck. We can't outprice the market. You know, um, there's only going to be so much money that, that's going to be there for us to be able to do what we need to do. But I think now we have an opportunity to kind of level the playing field. And also, I think that this may also present an opportunity with the ELD for us to really, um, really take a look at our business models to, to, to uh, make sure that we are things like uh, detention that were before, you know, uh, was, was not a real issue. You know, they most, most times, people would just tell you to pound sand versus having a, a conversation with you about paying you for the tension and stuff like that. So now, you know, you, and even not even, and even so now you still may have to work uh, because you're going to, it's going to be difficult to get everybody to come on board with the right thing to do. It's, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say it with the air quotations, the right thing to do, which is, which is always my opinion. The right thing to do is always do just good, fair, reasonable business with one another. You know, this, this business doesn't have to be hard. We make it hard by some of the um, <laughs> BS that we have to put up with, with when dealing with one another. Treat me fairly. I'm going to try my best to treat you fairly. I'm going to try my, I'm going to strive to deliver to you uh, an unparalleled service uh, experience by dealing with me. Uh, and I think that a lot of people, listeners of this show, carry that same type of mindset. You know, it's, it's the other people that the people that we don't have listening to the show are the people that don't have that mindset that are that are we, we got to kind of the our end of the spectrum and, and say, hey, you're doing this all wrong. Let's try to revamp your business model. Let's get you some more education so that you can so that you're not hurting the, the entire industry. And for, lo for so long, we had 
and excuse the term, we had ignorant drivers and ignorant motor carriers that have hurt our industry more than they have helped it by, you know, being that quote unquote magic eraser for the industry by doing whatever it took to get the loads delivered on time, whether that meant fudging on the law book, driving obscene amounts of hours, whatever else that you want to call it, you know, we all, we all, we all been there. We all done it before. So, you know what I'm saying? So this is a, a fresh, refreshing way to do business now um, to get, actually get compensated a fair rate and also to be able to take your rest like you need to. Yeah, you don't have to. You know what? You don't have to cut rates in this market. Um, you can ask for what is fair. And, and I'm asking everybody out there, be fair. Fair with your customers, whether it's a broker or direct customer. Don't put it to anybody. Um, make enough money so that you're going to do well. No, everybody wants everybody else to do well in a good economy. You know, I always say it's never a deal unless both sides win. So you can't have a deal between Rico and Chuck if Chuck walks away with all the money and Rico walks away with, with nothing. He walks away with that. That's not a deal. A deal is when Rico and Chuck do a deal and Rico gets what he wants and Chuck gets what he wants. And this Absolutely. goes through when you're, with, and when you're dealing with shippers or brokers, it's the same thing. Be fair. And if we're fair, we'll make money. And we won't remember this. We don't know how long this is going to last. Is it going to last forever? I doubt it because... Nothing lasts forever, but is it going to last a year? Is it going to last five years? Nobody knows, but for as long as it's going to last, you want to treat people fairly so that when there are tougher times, people remember you as not a gouger, as a fair person that did a good job. You don't want them to say, oh, I remember Joe. That's the idiot that charged us $20 a mile. Yeah. <laughs> forget him. Uh, we'll use the guy that was fair to us. And and that's Absolutely. how we want to run. So let's keep that that's, in mind, everybody. You know, let's enjoy this profit taking that we're able to do right now. And let's make the most out of it. But let's remember we gotta eat tomorrow. You know, it's I heard um, I heard a lecture once many years ago by the late Stephen Colby. Um and he was one of those motor, motivation business gurus. He was a, uh, a Mormon, and he gave some great insight into things. And he always said, run your business like a farm. And I always remembered that. And, you know, you have a time for planting and a time for harvesting, and you have a time for, for fixing your equipment. And sometimes you have to let a field uh, go fallow. Uh, and, and you have to do crop rotation and all sorts of things. And think about that with your business, that you're, right now we're having a boom time. But prepare for tomorrow, too. What are you going to do if you, you are acting guy in front of all your customers and, and you're de very demanding and you're getting a little bit impossible, but they're still getting you freight because you're the only show in town. And then all of a sudden things aren't so rosy. How are you going to deal with it then? So remember, you've got, you know, you've got to run your business like a farm and worry about tomorrow. It's really important. And just for new guy people that may be new to the show, uh, make sure that, and I'm kind of remiss to my duty because I hadn't brought this up yet, um, but make sure that you got your accounting done. Make sure you got your accounting down pat. Chuck always tells us that, you know, we're not really truckers. We're accountants that know how to, accountants, that know how to drive a truck. And that's, and I, you know, that's the unsexy part about this business, doing your numbers. Make sure that you understand your numbers for your business. Um, I'm going to probably see if I can. I think I do have a, a template for crunching your numbers and everything like that posted up on the uh, Facebook page. I'm going to double-check that. I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm going to try. If I don't, I'm going to make sure that it's up there tonight for new people that may be listening in. But uh, the this opportunity right now in this season with everything going on and with the capacity kind of tightening up a little bit, 
this gives you an opportunity in your own backyard to start working on that dumbbell method and that trihaul method that we talk about so much here on the show. Um, if, if times have been difficult with you being able to get established direct customers uh, to present you to do something like that, or even if you don't want to necessarily have the hassle of having of being dedicated to a direct customer, but if you got brokers in your backyard that have freight in your backyard, develop that, develop and cultivate that relationship with that broker. If, if you are tired of running all over the country from here to there and everywhere, if you want to have a little bit more of a of a better schedule at home time. This is now an opportunity for you to kind of build your business the way you want it to, the way you want it to work, the way you want it, whether that be going after direct customers and growing your company, growing your, uh, uh, growing your fleet, growing your company by that method. Or if you just want to remain a one truck operation doing your deal. And if you just want to deal with brokers, that way you don't have that hassle and the demands. Cause sometimes, you know, yes, you can get a bit more if you do have direct customers, but, you know, there are other caveats that come with having a direct customer, you know, because you become beholden to that direct customer and you may not want to do all of the service requirements that come along with the direct customer. You may not want to tackle all of that. And, and, and those are numerous. And maybe you might want to share some of the things that if you have a direct customer, what, what, what exactly are you maybe signing up for when you have a direct customer? Well, we paint it as a as a good thing, but let, let's let's and I'm not trying to discourage anybody from having direct customers, but there's always a flip side to every coin. It's certainly you know if you've got one truck and or two trucks or even five trucks and you're uh, you're on with a direct customer, number one you can become too dependent, and if something happens to that direct customer, then let's say that they're servicing a large retail. Uh, chain and that chain gets into financial problems, there goes your business. You have nothing else. You're putting all your eggs in one basket. So that's one of the issues with having a direct customer. And there's, it limits you for the other opportunities you could have had. I, I can tell you from my own experiences where we've been committed to a customer for, you know, for let's say two or three loads a day out of a certain location, whether it's uh, or Iowa or whatever, that means that I've got to have X number of trucks dedicated in that lane. That means when there's other opportunities, I can't even look at them because I, I'm married to that customer. Now, what you said before about, you know, you, you touched on a little bit about the work-life balance rather than running all over the country. There was some news that came out today about Walmart, and I don't think I'm telling stories of a school, um, they started a process recently, I think it was in April, now they're going to really start enforcing it, where if I read it right, they're giving their suppliers 48 hours from the time they place their order until they, it gets to the distribution center, which tells me that you have a shipper in California that is shipping to Walmart in New York or in New Jersey or in Boston, he's got to use a, that manufacturer's going to have to use a distribution hub somewhere in the east so that the shipments are within a day or two maximum from where the Walmart distribution center is. That tells me that there's an awful lot of opportunity for truckers to service that distribution requirement from those distribution centers to the, uh, or yeah, those distribution centers or, or warehouses to the Walmart distribution centers. Somebody's got to do that. So you'll have one, you know, some of the freight will go rail, of course, um, but an awful lot of it will still go cross country. And there's going to be all these opportunities that will be available starting very soon because the the penalties are severe. They're a percentage of the value of the goods. And, of course, with Walmart, after so many fines, they, uh, they, they just throw you out. So everybody that supplies Walmart 
we'll have to use just the distribution center hub and spoke model, which tells me that there's going to be great opportunities for everybody out there. And you get your life back as an owner operator or a driver. You'll only have to drive from the distribution center. It'll probably be within two to 300 miles, I would imagine. That's how these things usually work. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. You may want to pursue that. Absolutely. So, like I said, we got a bunch of callers on the line tonight. And if you got a question or if you want to add a comment, press number one. We can get to you, get you in and on the show. We welcome your participation as always. Uh, a couple of other things that come along with um, with if you're a one truck operation, and depending upon your relationship, when you got a direct shipper, but you know you may want to take some time off. You may you may want to go take a vacation, so on and so forth. Well, you you may have to schedule your vacation time around your particular shipper. You may not, so, so that takes away a little bit of 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 your freedom to be able to because you have to service that customer, that takes away a little bit of your freedom from other things that you may want to take on in your personal life. So, you know, all that that's one other caveat I just throw along in there about dealing with and having a direct customer. But like I say, you always are going to have, you know, the way that I try to explain it, when you have a direct customer, you are being able to invoice at a retail rate. Of course, when you're dealing with a broker, you're going to be taking a little bit less because you got to leave some meat on the bone for the broker to get his cut. So you're going to be, you, 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 when you're operating on the broker, the broker model, you're operating on a wholesale rate. However, if you run a tight ship, if you have your numbers under control, then you can operate broker to, you know, they always, there's an old saying, if you go from broker to broker, you're going to end up broker. True indeed. But if you run your ship and run your business like a business, there's a way for you to be extremely profitable and happy dealing with brokers. Now, I don't necessarily uh, – uh, I used to be a proponent of going from taking on every broker that might come and knock on your door. I no longer kind of – you know, I kind of scaled that back a little bit when I was running all over doing the spot market. Now, if you're on the spot market, you may, you may be relegated to that a little bit, but there's still a, there's still a little bit of um, – some of the bigger brokerages, if you develop and cultivate some relationships, you may be able to insulate yourself from being from that as well. Um, Rico, I add, can I add something there? Um, one of the absolutely. You have to realize, I was talking to one of our a carrier does a lot of work for us yesterday, and that carrier runs one lane out of the Toronto area, southern Ontario, going into. Um, one area of the southwest, and I'm not going to say it where he runs because some of the listeners may know who it is. And I had a long conversation with him yesterday, and we give him a lot of work. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars a week in business. And he said, you know, Chuck, I'd much rather do this than have the expense and the aggravation of having to have a sales force. He said, you're cheaper. It's much more cost-effective for me to get my loads from you. I know you're going to get, I know I'm going to get paid no matter what. I don't know that. When I put salesmen out on the road, he said, I don't know if the customer's going to pay me, number one. And number two, I've always got to take the freight because it's a direct customer. I've got to have that salesman work. I've got to watch him and make sure that he's not going to a bowl game or a hunting game or a hunting trip while he should be working. I have to manage him. I have enough problems managing my drivers and my dispatchers. And it's just like us <laughs> with our fleet. You know, it's just like us with our fleet. I decided many, many years ago that it was more cost-effective to lease full-maintenance trucks. I learned that right away. Um, I, I knew that almost 40 years ago, that it was cheaper to do it that way, and you could grow your business. Yeah, you never have any equity in trucks, but for the most part, trucks are a depreciating asset, not an appreciating asset. So that's another way to look at it. If you're taking work from brokers, you got a salesman. you got a bunch of salesmen working for you. If you're one person with one or two or three trucks, how you can have a salesperson? It's pretty hard, you know. Unless you you have somebody that and you're just you've got a dedicated lane, and you say, you know what, I run from 
uh, Boston to New York and I do LTL. Maybe then you could do it. The way our friend George in New York State does it. But he's a little bit different because he came in from the other end. He came in from the sales end where most of our listeners are either coming in from the driver's end or the mechanic's end. That's the difference. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's exactly right because, uh, you know, our good friend George, you know, he, he definitely has a different operation, walks to the beat of his own drum. You know, uh, I'm very impressed, very uh motivated by George and also, uh, you know, inspired by George. George, you know, he, he uh, is growing a small little operation, doing quite well for himself, you know, several different modes, different trailers. So he offers several different specialized services. And that's the other thing about, you know, if you're new listening to the show or whatever, you know, it, there's more to it. We cover mainly the, 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 the three major segments of the market, which are reefers, flatbeds, and uh, dry vans, but there are all types of segments in this market, even within their subsections within each of those markets. You know, LTL, uh, blanket wrap, there's all type of white glove service, final mile, that's, you know, so you can, in this industry, you can start doing uh, research for yourself and figure out what it is that you would like to specialize in and do a uh, little bit of market analysis in your background. I, I always tell people when people say, well, what kind of trailer should I buy? Well, do some research in your backyard. Find out what, what would be a, a good thing to bring, what kind of service would the people around you in your market be, be useful of. You know, but, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, uh, Chuck, but back in the day, used to before you could get your motor carrying authority, you had to kind of convince uh, the FMCSA uh, that you that you had a viable service to offer uh, people in your area before you you could get your uh, uh, your, your quote unquote DOT numbers. Is that correct? Oh my God, it was it was unbelievable. You had for board and you had they brought in the other carriers and you had to bring your customers in front of the board and uh, it was and everybody and I will go on record as saying this: everybody that owned those licenses made a lot of money. You know, the rates were like what we're seeing today. They were crazy rates. But those licenses were bought and sold like like cucumbers. So they, the licenses themselves were a commodity. And then one day uh, deregulation came and uh, all those licenses they could use for boat anchors if they were, would have been heavy enough. But people paid millions and millions of dollars for those licenses. But you're right. Um, it was a different era. You had to prove you had to prove a necessity, and then you had to prove fitness, and that's the whole thing. There's you know if you're living in an area that's got a lot of packing houses in it, uh, you probably want to get a reefer. There's probably not a whole lot of work for for a flatbed. Although you know what, those packing houses may need machinery brought in. You may be the only guy within you know 50 square miles that has that type of equipment. So talk to customers, talk to brokers in your area, find out what people need before you buy it. And Chuck, I, I asked you this question before, and, and given that how the market has changed a little bit, um, what is your opinion on if someone says, okay, well, I, I, I kind of like what you guys are talking about here, I think this, this little dumbbell concept or whatever, I want to do some advertising, but I'm only a one-truck guy. I don't really want to have a sales force or nothing like that. What's your opinion about maybe creating something like a, a mailing campaign or a uh, postcard or something or even advertising a rate within your dumbbell? If you, if you know your market good enough, do you, do you suggest maybe even putting out there an, an enticing, maybe a teaser rate or something like that and put on, put on a mailing? Just just. A, Thinking, I'm trying to think outside of the box. Different things that might Rico, help somebody that's, that's got that idea. I would have said put out a teaser rate up until five weeks ago, because I'm a big believer in that, or I was a big believer. We're we're finished with teaser rates. It's it's our sandbox now. We don't have to do that anymore. I think offering the service alone. I think you just I serve between. 
Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. I go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, wherever it is. Um, I'm looking for partial freight. There's a huge, huge, huge market in that partial freight business. I can't, we've had a couple of listeners, well, more than a couple, call in with the results before the 18th of December, how much they were getting a mile. Right. I'd, I'd love to hear what they're getting now. It must be phenomenal. So there's all sorts of opportunities out there um, just to get the service right now. How long is this going to last? No idea, Rico, but let's hope it lasts a long time. And that's why now it's, it's so critically important that if you if, if you got aspirations of trying to grow your business and things of that nature, now is the opportunity, now is the time where you can get in with somebody that's having problems, especially smaller shippers. Get in with those kind of people right now and establish and build and cultivate that relationship. Because that's going to be yeah. gold when things turn around. That relationship is what's going to, you know, when things when when can't no if if when things dry up and can't nobody else get a load. If you got that relationship with certain brokers or shippers, you know, I'm use those terms interchangeably. If you got that relationship with them, they're going to look out for you way before they. they matter of fact, they, they'll they'll move stuff around just to make sure that you are being uh, uh, got a seat at the table sometimes if you cultivate that relationship properly. Uh, maybe you can speak a little bit more to that, how important and how critical relationships in this business uh, uh, works, Chuck. It is so important. And, and really in this market, you're okay. You don't have, it's almost to the point, if, you're, if you've got one truck, you don't want those, you know, unless extenuating circumstances, Get in with two or three good brokers that are going to pay you right away, and you'll be much further ahead. Um, sometimes with dealing with a direct customer, especially when you're small, you can get hurt. Um, you know, unless there's a, you know, sometimes there's great opportunities there, and, and it can happen. I've heard of it. Um, I've seen it. But right now, I think the brokers that are remaining, there's some great brokerage firms out there in both countries. And... If they like you, brokers will lose money on freight, believe it or not. It's not uncommon. So they get stuck with the load. And if they know that you are the go-to person when they're stuck and that you're, you're decent about it, they will beat down your door to give you business. Then all of a sudden, you know, some of these brokerage houses have hundreds of salespeople working there. Really? Those hundreds of salespeople are working for you. You got a big sales force working for you, trying to load your truck. And if they know that you, you know, your rate is whatever it is, and that you run, and this is the real important part. Those brokerage houses, and you won't get this as a rule with a direct customer. The direct customer, unless sometimes you you do hit one that ships from point A to point B only. There are those associates interplant moves. But those brokerage houses, if they know that your lane is such and such, you know, we, the dumbbell is the greatest way to do it. Uh, I don't think there's any reason in this market to do a, a tri-line. I think you go from point A to point B back to point A. Because with the ELDs, the hours of service, the work-to-life balance, and on top of that, the great rates, there's really no reason to do that third leg. See, we used to, in this industry, go for that third leg in order to reposition equipment. So you would drive from, let's just use an example, from Chicago, you got a really great paying load to Vermont, and you would grab a cheap load out of Vermont because they don't ship a whole lot out of there, it was maybe going into Ohio, and then from Ohio, you'd get a good load back to Chicago. Well, now you can almost take that third leg out because you'll probably get a decent load out of Vermont, New Hampshire, or, or upstate New York even because there's such a shortage of trucks and equipment. Or else, maybe you don't want to take that load uh, into Vermont, or else they're going to pay you so much to go to Vermont they don't have to worry about that cheap load that you get 
from Vermont to Ohio that maybe pays you 70 or 80 cents or 90 cents a mile, you can just deadhead, um, which means you're going to gain some time because you're not going to waste time loading and unloading for 70 or 80 cents a mile, which people have been doing up until now. And, you know, once you're empty in Vermont, bang, you're into Ohio the next day and you're back into Chicago. But really, you want to keep these trips. The shorter, the better. You make more money per mile on the shorter the miles. And that's what you want, more money per mile. That's the trick. Somebody shot, shot, somebody just shot me a message on Facebook um, wanting me to explain dumbbell. Okay. Go to Google, for anybody new that's listening to the show, go to Google and type in radius map and click on that link, and it should take you to a page the way you can put in a city or a zip code, uh, and, and you can put a radius. You can, you can make the radius as big or as small as you would like to make it. What I did, I'm, I'm based out of Atlanta, Georgia. I put a 500-mile radius on this map when I was first looking into doing this. I put a 500-mile radius because that gives me one day's worth of driving within it, within that radius. And I wanted to see which cities fell within that radius. So I could pinpoint Atlanta being one of the, uh, the home-based market, but I could pinpoint other cities, other major metropolitan areas that fell within that 500-mile radius to try to pick out to say, okay, that dumbbell concept means I'm going to run back and forth if it's, if it's say, for instance, from Atlanta or eastern North Carolina. I'm going to run. So anything that falls, you know, the dumbbell being I got a 50-mile radius around Atlanta and I got a 50-mile radius around Greensboro or, 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 or Raleigh-Durham, one of those areas. I got, I got a radius around those two areas giving me my two ends, and I'm running in between giving you the dumbbell, uh, uh, so to speak. Uh, that's basically the, the, the concept of servicing two major markets. You got cities that fall into the suburbs of those major markets that you can pick up uh, other other freight from. But it, that, that's basically the prime concept as quickly as I can probably try to get it out there with the little bit of time that we got remaining. Uh, we got about five minutes left in the show. Um, and, and it just it just builds you a the, the dumbbell concept gives you a little bit of flexibility to the point to where you can have availability to a customer if you're a small if you're a small trucking company you can't run around all across the country trying to serve you can't be all things to all people you can't compete with Schneider Knight Swift JB Hunt you can't compete with those guys with what it is that they do but where you can compete with them at is you are nimble, you are smaller, so you can move quickly. And if you if you can find a niche within customers within your niche within those markets, you can do very well for yourself. And you don't have to, you know, we always try to say work smarter, not harder. You don't have to go and beat yourself to death running all across the country uh, uh, to service a customer. I'm in the market right now. I've been looking for a new uh, uh, up, upgrade my reefer. Well, I don't have to have brand new reefer because I'm not going to California. I don't have to have a brand new truck because I'm not going to California. So those are other things that you can do to, for your operation to, to set yourself up for success. You don't have to uh, uh, spend absorbent amounts of money to go get brand new equipment because you have to be hard compliant to, to be able to go into the state of the Republic of California. You know, you don't have to do all of that stuff. You can, you can, you can customize your business model for your dumbbell and do very well for yourself. Uh, Chuck, give us some examples on, on some things that some advice for somebody small, uh, some, some other things that they can do to help try to grow their business as well. Well, first of all, I would contact local. First, first thing you want to do is figure out what you're going to do. It's your business. Let's go back to Stephen Covey farming. What are you going to grow? Are you a cash cropper? Are you a chicken farmer? What are you? Once you figure that out, so you're going to be a flat decker, you're going to be a drive-in, uh, you're going to be a reefer, step deck, whatever it is, car hauler. Next, what market am I going to serve? So you figure out, well, I want to serve from here to here. I like this lane. And these have to be business decisions, not emotional decisions. 
Um, where is pick the two best areas near your near where you live. And if you live somewhere out in the middle of Montana, you, it becomes a lot tougher. Uh, I've met people from remote areas and it's just harder. This whole concept works a lot better if you live within 50 or 100 miles of a metropolitan area. And then next, figure out what you're going to do and then how you're going to do it. And then just figure out what your costs are for your truck and your trailer. And then start making calls. Either you start calling some of the good brokerage houses on both ends. So I'm going to use an example. Um, you know, let's just say you're running from Cleveland to Cincinnati. You call the brokerage houses in Cleveland. You call the brokerage houses in Cincinnati. If you know the landscape and you know shippers on both sides and you want to go shipper direct, try that. Um, a lot of times when you go to approach a larger shipper and you've got one truck, Unless you catch the uh, traffic manager or logistics manager on, you know, on a weak moment, he does not want to talk to you because you're only one truck. He'd rather make one call to a brokerage house or a carrier and order all of his trucks or send an email and get all of his loads. He's not interested in hearing that I can't do this today because that's they won't accept that unless you can say, I'm here Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every week. You may be able to sell that. And then you have to know your cost. You have to find out what the market bears. And, you know, call around, ask around, talk to people. What does the load pay from Cincinnati to um, to Cleveland or Cleveland to Cincinnati? And get lay of the land. You have to know your cost and you have to know what to charge. Then from there, you have to market it. And just do your job and be on time. It's really important. There's people don't want you to be late. Bill properly. Make sure that whatever they ask for you to supply, if they want an original proof of delivery with the invoice, and every company is different, every brokerage house is different. Some of them have a, a form you have to put in. Other ones, it's just a load number, whatever it is. Some of them will accept it uh, via email. Other ones want it via snail mail. Whatever it is, do it, because that's how you build your business. It's not rocket science, guys. Just give customers what they want. That's how every successful business has been successful. Well, Chuck, we are at that part of the show when we're getting ready to wrap it up. you want to give out your contact information one more time? I certainly do. If you want to get a hold of me for any questions, call me direct. 800-388-4352, extension 203. I can't stress that one enough. Um, I wouldn't waste a lot of time on the show. If you need loads domestically in the U.S., give me a call at that number, and I will put you in touch with our U.S. offices or our Montreal office. We have an office there now, as I mentioned. And, again, I want to just go – uh, once more, I am looking for one really special driver that's going to work for me directly. So anybody out there that's a Canadian truck driver, give me a call. Thank you. And that's it, Rico. Cool, cool, Great cool, cool. Well, let me get this. Let me, we definitely want to thank you, Chuck, for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on and join us. We want to send a kudos and shout-out thanks to Kevin and Lisa Rutherford for providing us with the platform to be able to bring you this show on a weekly basis. And also, we want to give thanks to the entire Less Truck team and a special shout-out back to uh, one, one, of the, one of the daughters back home in Atlanta, either Manaya or Patina. We want to thank that young lady for helping us uh, screen the phone calls for us tonight, even though we didn't take any tonight. You guys got to – we want some more participation, guys. We want some participation out of you guys. So with that being said, we want to uh, thank you guys, for, uh, especially give a big thank to you guys for taking time out of your schedule to listen to the show. Tell a friend to tell a friend. We'll see you guys same place, same time next week. God bless you. Good night. And keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise out there, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Good night, Chuck. Good night, God bless. 
Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.